Good evening, everyone, and welcome to Fire It Up, the hottest sports show in Central Ohio. The show where four sports fans talk sports for the fans. Our topics for this evening are halfway through the NHL season, who is hot and who is not. UFC 283, live from Brazil. The Rams head coach is staying put. A wild weekend in the NFL playoffs. Recapping wildcard weekend and previewing what's to come in the divisional round. With that, I'll give you our chief of our fire brigade, Rob Cow. Thanks, Colton. Good to be here on a what night? A Thursday night, uh, Wednesday, Wednesday, Wednesday night, in Matt's basement live in the studio. Hey, uh, you know, we got four of us back with us tonight. We've been spent so long with three. It's nice to have four again in the studio. Got a special guest, a longtime friend of the show, Cooper Titus with us tonight, going to be filling in for Braden. So, uh, like Colton said, we're going to get into some NHL news. We're, you know, halfway through the season and, uh, We'll start out tonight. Matt, you want to lead us off? Who's uh, who's your odds-on favorite, you think, uh, to win the Stanley Cup right now? Yeah, I actually uh, broke it down between both sides, so I got two teams playing for the Stanley Cup. I got it coming down to Boston and Winnipeg. Boston looks like they're running away with this regular season so far. They got a 34-5-4 record, 72 points. Next closest team to them are 10 points back, so, I mean, they're, they've, they've got quite a hefty lead. Winnipeg, they're, they're kind of more towards the middle, middle top of the, their side of the division. But, you know, they're 29-15 and 159 points. But they're, they're w- really well-rounded. They've got four players that have 40-plus points each. So, they're, they're, I mean, they're playing good team hockey. Everybody's contributing. And I, I just I like that style of play when it comes, come, comes playoff time. Mm-hmm. So that, that's my pick for the Stanley Cup. I like it. I like it. I got, I got Boston, too. I, I like the way they're playing right now, that core group of Bergeron and McAvoy. Uh, really, really leading that team, but uh, I like the Swede there in the in, in between the post. Uh, Linus Olmark, you know, he's twenty three two and one, which is first right now amongst goalies and first in save percentage at nine thirty six. So uh, you know, I didn't even pick a uh, a, a player. I, I I got Boston winning it all. Yeah. I just like the way they're playing right now. I think they're they're eight and two in their last ten games and. And uh, I, I just like the way they're playing. I, I agree. They're running away with this thing right now. Yeah, yeah. I gotta, I gotta agree. Make it three for three with the <laughs> with the Boston Bruins. There. I mean, I don't know what you could say. They're doing everything right on both sides of the ice. There. I mean, leading the league in both goals scored and you know the least amount of goals uh, scored. In, you know, in the NHL, uh, they got a home ice record of twenty one and one. Um, you know, it's gonna be gonna be tough when it comes you know playoff time. And you know, we know how. Crazy and wild the Boston fans are when it comes to their sports teams. So and, I can and, only, and hockey, they're yeah. a hockey town, <laughs> right? So it's I can a heck of a time to be a fan in Beantown with it. You know, you got the Celtics and the Bruins, right. both, both leading leading the league, right? Yeah. Right. Yeah. Uh, so could be could be a good uh, good thing for for Boston, but uh, yeah, it, this team's doing everything right. You know, like I said, on both sides of the ice. Uh, you know, a big stat that kind of stands out for me is is. From a, a penalty kill, per, you know, percentage, uh, they're, they're killing penalty shots or, you know, penalty um, when they're in the power play or, you know, down a man, they're killing that power play almost 90% of the time. Wow. So it's, uh, yeah, pretty, pretty amazing what, pretty what the what the Bruins are doing, you know, through the first half. Yeah, yeah. Um, you know, MVP, I, we're probably all going to agree on this one, too. Yeah. This guy, another uh, running away with this thing, Connor McDavid. I mean, how can you pick anybody else? First in the league in scoring. You know, goal scored first in the league in assists and first in points, overall points. So, I mean, is there anybody else that's even close at the halfway point? Probably the next closest is his teammate. Uh, I, I didn't write down his name, but he's right there, right behind him Le- in points. Leon like Seidel, yeah, yeah. yeah. I mean, that's probably the next closest. But 
really, to me, the only drawback for both of these guys is Edmonton's kind of middle of the road. They're 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 in the playoff Why hunt. Why are but... they not the first thought? But I didn't want to pile on either. Yeah, absolutely. I I think you know it, it's just yeah. I, I I knew this team wasn't going to be you know they weren't going to set the world on fire. I didn't expect them to be you know guys that were going out there to win the Stanley Cup. But I I thought they'd be more competitive than what they what yeah, they when are. They signed Johnny Hockey. Yeah, thought, right. Maybe they have a playoff shot. Yeah, they, they, it just, yeah, to me, it's crazy. Uh, You know, they're, they're giving up almost 36 shots a game when it comes to the defensive. I mean, no offense, their goalies are not playing well, but when you're giving up the 36 shots a game, I mean, Mm -hmm. what chance or what hope do, do you have? I mean, there's not a whole lot you can, a whole lot you can do there. Uh, And I think for me, Coming in, you know, adding Johnny Hockey to a to an offensive, you know, firepower with Patrick Line there, you would expect them to be better on that offensive offensive end. But they've only scored 109 goals this this year, which you know is actually almost dead last in the NHL. Um, and they they scored you know about 260 goals last year, so they're not even on pace really to eclipse the mark last year. And I thought they addressed you know offensive wise, uh, you know, a better better position or, you know, whatnot. Um, but the, the defense it is really where, where you kind of see the issue for, for the blue jackets right. to me, that's, yeah. that's the big blemish. They're, they're giving up way too many goals, too many shots, too many opportunities. Mm-hmm. Just, yeah, not, not looking good for, for the boys in blue there in, in Columbus. Um, you know, I, they, they got to address that, that defensive side of the, of the ice for them to get back to being somewhat competitive, being that gritty team that we're, we're used to seeing, uh, in, you know, in hockey. Well, I'm going from my surprise team clear out West. I'm coming to the opposite coast. I'm going with the Florida Panthers. You know, they were 58 and 18 last year. So far this year, one game over 521 and 20. And didn't they steal our goalie? Yeah, they have Bob Roski. They got Bob down there and you know, they're, (laughs) He's he's doing what he can down there, but they're just not scoring enough goals down there in in Florida. So that that's going to be my pick for for most disappointing teams. So. Yeah, absolutely. All right, enough NHL news. You know we're only halfway through, so we got a lot of other stuff to cover tonight. Um, let's move on to UFC. Like Colton said, uh, UFC this Saturday is in Rio. This is the first um, UFC since the pandemic. Um, in, you know, in Brazil. In Brazil, mm-hmm. yeah. First UFC fight back in Brazil since the pandemic. And we got two co-mains. We got Glover Teixeira at 43 years old, coming in at 33-8 and eight against the American Jamal Sweet Dreams Hill, um, <laughs> coming in at 11-1, and one, 31 years old. And it, not only the age difference, but you got, you know, your your classic grappler in Teixeira versus, you know, a striker in Jamal Hill in, in a vacant title. Um and uh, I think it's what the number one contender and gets number two. If I'm not wrong. No, it's it's number seven. Jamal. Oh wait, you know that's seven. that's our next fight. Yeah, yeah I got yeah. my numbers mixed up. Yeah, here. Jamal Hill's the seventh ranked in yeah. that in that division. I'm sorry. And, yeah, and so, Teixeira's number two. And this so. is a light heavyweight division. So yeah, um, you know this this is going to be an interesting fight. I think um, you know Jamal Hill, like I said, is a striker, and he he has a tendency to you know, want to go for that big knockout punch. And that's kind of got him in trouble, trouble before. Um, 
with a, with a grappler. Mm-hmm. So we'll see how this plays out. Give me your thoughts, Colton. Yeah, absolutely. Like Dad said, light light heavyweight. So these guys are ranging anywhere between 185 to 205. Um, you know, poundage. You know, weight wise. Um, but just this division overall is is kind of a kind of a mess. Uh, you know, the the guy that did have the belt um, in in Yuri Prochaska, he actually vacated this this belt. Uh, a couple UFCs ago, he was actually supposed to rematch Glover, Glover Teixeira and then had to pull out, you know, before a couple of days before the match and, you know, vacated the the title. So it's been, you know, it's been open. Um, they were still going to somewhat try to fill that that fight spot by, uh, you know, Teixeira uh, fighting an interim guy uh, by the name of Magomed Ankalov, who, you know, we've talked about before mm-hmm. with some of our UFC talk here, but Teixeira wouldn't agree to fight him. So, you know, <laughs> Instead, Ankalov stepped in, fought a, a, a former champion in the, the Polish Hammer uh, for that. He beat, you know, the Polish Hammer, but it really essentially didn't mean anything because they deemed it somewhat of a draw because it wasn't the actual fight that was supposed to happen. So, again, this this belt is is vacant, and, and it could be vacated again because Glover Teixeira is, a, you know, the young age of 43 years old. Uh you know, if he wins this thing, mm-hmm. there's possibility, real possibility, he says, oh, "I'm going to retire." Yeah. Belts back up for back <laughs> up for grabs. So it, it could be, you know, a, a messy situation. But uh, you know, I, you know, he's fighting back. You know, obviously, Teixeira, Glover Teixeira is a you know local Brazilian. You know, fighting back in his home country for the first time since 2014. Going to have that you know hometown crowd behind him. Going to be very very interesting to see if he uh, you know can pull it off at that you know that. An elder statesman, if you will, um, but you know, obviously Jamal Hill's an up and comer. But you know, I don't know, guys. I, I like this. I like the old man here in in this one. He he's got that experience, got that you know prowess about him. He's held his own against some of those you know younger guys. I think I think he gets it done again. You know, with that hometown crowd behind him, gets a uh, gets that belt back, and 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 you know. We'll see what he what he decides to do if he keeps fighting or if he you know hangs it hangs it up. <clears throat> yeah, I'm, I'm with Colton on this one. I got to share a win and in his career he's got 18 KOs, 10 submissions, five wins by decision. Jamal Hill's got he's 11 and one in his career. Seven of those are KOs, four decisions. So he he's not a very or at least he's not known for submissions. So mm-hmm. yeah, to share just got more more ways to win. He can he can take it to the ground or he can fight you. And you know you like to have options when it comes to a big fight like this, and I, I think he's he's just got more ways to beat you. I think that's going to come into play, and he's going to take the win. All right, I'm going the other way. I'm with the, I'm going with Sweet Dreams Hill. I All think right. I think he'll extend this fight, try to wear try to wear the old guy down a little bit, and uh, you know try to try to take him out with a big punch. You know, get him slow, get him to drop his hands, mm-hmm. and uh, try to take him out with the, with with a big punch. So, yeah, uh, yeah. So, like I said, the other co-main is Davison Figueredo. He's the number one contender in the flyweight against Brandon Marino, number two. Davison, 21, 2 and 1. Brandon Marino, 26 and 2. So, you know, real similar records. Uh, and this will be their fourth meeting. They're 1, 1 and 1. Mm-hmm. So, you know, this will be their. This is know, the rubber match, if yeah, you will. Yeah, the rubber match uh, <laughs> on the fourth fight. Right. So, uh, 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 Figueroa's thirty-five years old. Marino's twenty-nine, so a bit of an age gap. Not not as much as in that first fight. So, Matt, you lead us off here. Yeah, I mean these guys are very similar record-wise over their careers. You got Figueroa twenty-one, two and one. His career's got nine knockouts, eight submissions, four by decision. Mm-hmm. He's seven, two and one in his last ten fights. Moreno, he's twenty-six and two. He's got four knockouts, eleven submissions, five uh, wins by decision. Mm-hmm. So I, I mean, these guys are very similar. I, so I, I think in that case, I 
I like to go with the older vet. He's been right. around. He's seen it all. So mm-hmm. I'm, I'm going with Figueroa. All right. Yeah, well, like Dad said, another, you know, a flyweight title fight here. So these guys are 115 to 125, you know, pound-wise. Pound uh, but, yeah, all three of these fights between these guys has been, I think you could probably name all three of them as potentially fights of the year. That It's been, you know, knockout slugfest. I mean, had everything in between. Um, the, these guys, you know, know how to fight, you know, not shy to, you know, show each other what they can do. Uh, you know, I, I think they're the best in the business in this uh, division. Uh, so I think this is, yeah, again, the two best guys fighting for this for this title. Again, uh, Figueredo is going to have that, uh, you know, that hometown crowd, you know, local Brazilian again um, in, in this one. Um, you know, Brandon Moreto uh, was, you know, held the belt, you know, beat by beating Figueredo. But then, you know, in the third match got, you know, got put out, you know, Figueredo took his belt back. So we'll see what happens in this, in this fourth match. But again, I, I just, that hometown energy, that home crowd. I, I think Figueredo, you know, will will hold him off. You know, figure out. I, I think this one could go all five, all five rounds. I, I think at the end of the day, I think Figueredo does just enough to to, to get a win here, uh, get a win. You know, like I said, in, in hometown, you know, Brazil. Uh, but uh, yeah, it's gonna be gonna be exciting. Um, like I said, first first event back in back in Brazil since you know before you know COVID. Mm-hmm. Um, and it's it's funny. They, they they really did it up well, I think. Uh, at least all all 15 of the fights that are on the card between, you know, the early prelims, prelims, you know, the main card, there's at least one Brazilian fighting in every wow. in every fight. And there's a couple of them that actually feature two Brazilians fighting each other. So they, they really, you know, by bringing it back, they really did well with, you know, kind of putting this card and, and setting it up with a lot of hometown, you know, talent. Right. We'll see, you know, if. If they can put on for their for their city for their for their country, you know, and and, and have a good outing, or right. you know, have a have a real stinker. So right. I'll go along with the crowd on this one. I, I like the hometown boy in this one too, even though you know Marino's got an advantage. He's got a two inch reach advantage. You know, obviously these guys know each other pretty well, and it's going to be a bit of a chess match, I think, because of that fact. But so I think the fight will, you know, I think it'll go the distance, or at least go you know well deep you know, go deep into the fight. But I think that hometown crowd will push uh, Figueredo over the top. So I like I like the hometown boy. So uh, with that, we're going to take a real quick commercial break. Um, stick with us. We'll be right back. This podcast is sponsored by Podbean. Podbean is the easiest way to create your own podcast. We use Podbean to host Fired Up. Download the free Podbean podcast app record and publish your very own podcast in minutes podbean provides everything you need to run your podcast and you can record and publish episodes directly from the app on your phone download the free podbean app today that's p-o-d-b-e-a-n head on over to podbean at www.podbean.com and use the code podcast 21 for your first 30 days of podcast hosting for free check it out And we're back. Thanks for sticking with us. Um, we're going to get into some uh, NFL news here. Uh, first, before we get into the playoff stuff, McVay and, and the Rams announced that he's going to be back uh, for next season. There was some question, you know, in, over the last week or so whether he would be back or not. Um, you know, they were one year removed from Super Bowl champion, and they finished the year 5-12. and 12, And what Sean, in his own words, you know, labeled as a professional failure this last season uh they won five games and all five of those wins were against teams with losing records the falcons the cardinals the panthers the raiders and the broncos so Uh 
you know, if you couldn't, if you couldn't beat those teams, obviously you weren't going to beat anybody. So, Mm -hmm. you know, it was, it was just an ugly season for them, although they did deal with injuries, but you know, who doesn't in a, in a 17 game NFL season, but Mm -hmm. um, you know, he's got some holes to fill. Obviously he needs a new offensive coordinator. Um, and, and there's some guys out there, you know, left, which is available. Uh, there's some other guys that are available. I think that's, to me, that's a, that's a big, um, issue. Uh, you know, Matthew Stafford, um, passed his exit physical. So, you know, I think he'll be back next year. Mm -hmm. Um, but there, you know, questions about Darnold, you know, what's going on with him. So, you know, tell me what you guys think. Coop, let's get started with you. Let's get you in the mix here. What's your thoughts on Sean McVay and, and the Rams? First off, I just want to say thank you guys for having me on. I Absolutely. Really, really appreciate it. It's, it's our pleasure, man. Uh, but um, I don't know. I like him as a head coach. I think I didn't really think he was ever going to leave. I know he has a lot of influence on guys like Aaron Donald. I don't know if you guys saw his uh, little thing that went on in his bio. Mm-hmm. But, um, yeah, I mean, on the herd with Colin Coward, uh, and former tackle Andrew Whitworth actually said that um, thought McVay just needs a chance to just kind of let it all out and mm. kind of just, you know, I mean, once once you get nine, ten, eleven loss, you you just you you can't do much. Right, so, right. but yeah, I think I think he's definitely hopefully going to turn it around. Even though their draft capital isn't very good, they mm-hmm. got two picks inside the top seventy this year. Mm-hmm. So, yep. but yeah, that's that's been kind of the LA you know calling card you know here. Over- building through you know free agency or you know signing you know big free agents yeah, instead I meant, of I meant, did meet Darnold. I meant, did <clears> yeah uh, signing you know signing big time free agents instead of you know using you know and, and trading away those draft picks to get you know some young guys and I think that may have been you know maybe their curse this this year you know I, I think at some point you have to you have to switch it around or you have to because those, those guys can't play forever or you know when the injury bug hits you got nobody, you know, no depth behind you. It, mm-hmm. it's, Nothing in the tank. Um, so it, yeah, it's. I, I think obviously McVeigh is still the right guy for the job. I don't. I don't think that you know there's any any question that he's still still the guy in in L.A. Um, you know, for for him, it's 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 one of those things that this was even talked about after they won their Super Bowl right. whether he was going to come back or or not. So it, mm-hmm. it's not you know the first time that this has been you know talked about. Yeah. Um, you know, and, and at this point, what more does the guy you know have to accomplish? I mean, obviously. He came in. He was the youngest head coach to ever be hired at the time he he, he you know was hired mm-hmm. for the Rams, and, and within the first couple of years, won a Super Bowl, has won several NFC West titles, <laughs> been you know won NFC championships. I mean, he's accomplished some things in a short time that that some coaches it takes ten or fifteen years to right. to do. Uh, never get done in a whole career. Right, right, <laughs> exactly. Um, you know, and so it's it's one of those things that you know he he talked a lot about. You know, I, I want to spend time with my you know this football thing is not. I don't want to do it for the rest of my life. I, mm-hmm. I want to do it while I can somewhat still enjoy it, but there's also an aspect outside of football, you know, my family that, that I want to enjoy or, you know, be a part of my kid's life, you know, my family's life and not be consumed with this, with this football thing is, is a lot of, you know, some of the sentiment or, you know, some of the things that he's made, you know, comments about in the, in the media before. <clears throat> yeah. To, to me, them having a losing season is the only reason he's coming back next year. Cause like you said, mm-hmm. the last two years, he's been talking about burnout and just, right. just wanting to get away from it. Mm-hmm. But I think his pride said, you know, I can't on that kind can't of step note. away. Yeah. Yeah. So, yeah. so I, I think the Rams really need to be looking for their successor after next year. I, I don't think he's long for the league. I, right. I, I think maybe next year it, Depending on how it if goes. they go to the Super Bowl or something, maybe right. he comes one right, more. Right, but you know, right. I I don't see him being around much longer. The Rams mm-hmm. really need to start getting a plan together on 
on what they're going to do in the future. Right. Absolutely. It's just, you know, so crazy to think about because that's just not the norm or hasn't been. Right. The, I mean, once a coach is, is the coach, they stay at that team for, you know, however long they can last. Yeah. And then they get fired. It's usually, okay, move on to the next team, move mm -hmm. on to the next team, and just stay there. Now we have a guy that's some, not only did he buck the trend by becoming the youngest head coach, but he may be, you know, the shortest tenured yeah. coach, you know, yeah. the NFL at the same time. The youngest retiree. Right. Yeah. <laughs> and and he, yeah. And even with the success that he's had still stepping away, like right. on his terms. Right. Yeah. yeah. It's, it's just crazy, crazy to think that, you know, how times may have, have changed, or at least, you know, in this instance, times have changed compared to what we're used to seeing with, with some of these NFL, you know, head coaches sticking around. Some of that has to do with the kind of money that they're making now, too. They they don't have to stay. Right. You know. and, and, I mean, McVay has thrown around the idea of doing, you know, being front an announcer, you know, or, announcer or, you know, doing something, you know, in the in, in the front office or, yeah. you know, whatever. So I don't think he's totally going to be away from, from the game of football, per se. Mm -hmm. It just won't be under the bright lights or under the, the, the stressful situation of being, you know, the man in, in charge on yeah. the, on the sideline. Um, a little more free time, right. Like you said, mm -hmm. Family time or whatever yeah. going forward. Absolutely. Yeah. All right. Well, let's get into the wild card weekend and it was a wild, yeah, wild was. card weekend. <laughs> yeah. Um, we'll start, you know, with that first game, the 49ers <laughs> and uh, the, the Seahawks, um, you know, the 49ers rolled up 505 yards of offense. You know, we said McCaffrey, you know, keep handing him the ball and they did. He, Almost eight yards of carry in that game. Uh, Seattle had two turnovers, and you know, and it it wasn't really. It was close through the first half. I think Seattle even took the lead there at one mm -hmm. point. But uh, you know, really, I, I thought the 49ers controlled the tempo and controlled this game for the most part. Mm -hmm. um, you know, I watched a lot of this game. It was a fun game to watch, and it just looked. You know, the 49ers had a game plan. They stuck to it, and it worked for them. Yeah, yeah. man, I, I really felt the opposite about this game. I thought it, it was a lot closer than that final score indicated, right. like 41-23. I mean, Seattle led at halftime, mm -hmm. and they were only down six after three. They they were sticking sticking uh, right I just with. Felt them. like the 49ers stuck to their plan. I never, I, I never. I mean, yeah, it was closer. You know, the Seattle mm -hmm. had them somewhat on the ropes, but I never thought that like the 49ers were. They never panicked. No, they never never panicked. I felt like I've, they were still always knew what they were going to do or right. you know whatever. Yeah, I think Seattle definitely put up a, a better effort than right. we yeah. all thought coming into this yeah, thing. Yeah, absolutely. I, I, it was a heck of a football game, comparatively speaking, to what that final score shows. Mm -hmm. yeah. yeah, absolutely. You know, I, I think, again, you know, Brock Purdy, I mean, the guy, <laughs> what can you say? The guy's a third-string QB picked dead last in the NFL draft. I mean. Yeah, people better start taking Mr. Irrelevant a little more seriously. Yeah. I, yeah. Make these picks. I think that pick may, may matter a little yeah. bit more than what people think now. But, uh, yeah, I mean, the guy threw for over 300 yards, you know, in his, in his playoff debut. Uh, I mean, and, and – on the flip side, I mean, Geno Smith didn't play didn't play bad for, no, for the Seahawks. I, I just think the 49ers have too many weapons you got to try to stop on yeah. that offensive side of the ball. And and it again, Matt, you talked about it last week when we were kind of previewing the show. They don't do anything crazy. They they just throw kind of short routes and let their athletes go to, go to work. Um, you yeah. know, and that's that's what they do. And, you know, they stick to that game plan and it and it works. So defenses definitely have their hands full with trying to keep those guys you know, somewhat in front of them, and and it's yeah, it's they're gonna be gonna be gonna be tough to, to put out in the playoffs. Yeah. yeah, what you got, Coop? Um, well, at least for the Seahawks, without DK Metcalf, this was, would have not been a game. Mm. Ten receptions, hundred and thirty six yards, and yeah. two touchdowns. Yeah, absolutely. Um, the Hawks overall, 
even moving into the offseason, they have the fifth highest cap space. Mm. So for free agents, they yeah. could make a couple moves. And yeah. then they also have the second most amount of draft capital. Yeah. Wow. yeah. So That's given, big. you know, big. their amazing season this season, they could. Yeah. And I think that, you know, on the offensive side of the ball, they're, they're pretty, pretty balanced. They have, you know, mm-hmm. a, a great running game and, and, and a decent, you know, passing game. Obviously, Gino had a phenomenal yeah. year. They're, you know, saying, they're saying Russell who? Yeah, exactly. <laughs> uh, you know, hopefully that can continue. You know, he can he continue, you know, next year to have a have a great year. I think obviously I think some of that draft capital, some of that, you know, money that they have, you know, available, they they got to address some of those issues they mm-hmm. have on the, on the defensive side of the ball. So you think Seattle? goes after a quarterback though because yeah, yeah he had a great year but right. he, had, the, he is, hasn't been his historically norm. yeah so do, do you actually do you try to draft a quarterback but maybe or? it's just the right system for him yeah, I right. mean, I, yeah. And, I and and at the same time i mean he's no spring chicken either right. you know, yeah he's this is his first you know really great season but it's his first really good season as as a full-time starter in the sure. in the league um you know but this is his 10th year you know right. it's crazy to think this is his 10th year in the nfl yeah. mm-hmm how much longer can he, can he play or, you know, how, mm-hmm. how long, you know, can he sustain? And, and yeah, it, it's one thing, you know, the, obviously the great quarterbacks or the, the, the quarterbacks in the league are the ones that they do it year in and year, year out, you know, obviously with Gino, he is not, you know, he hasn't had all the opportunities in the world to show that, mm-hmm. but it will be interesting to see what, what Seattle does. Um, you know, if, if they go, you know, QB or if they, you know, start looking maybe as, as a, uh, have a decent backup for, for him just in case, you know, mm-hmm. something, Something would go wrong because at the end of the day, no matter how good or bad they are, you're still only one injury away from, sure. from you know, being possibly, you know, not having a quarterback at all on, on your team. Right. And that, yeah. could, that could change the whole course of the season. So. All right. Um, all right. The next game, um, Chargers and the Jaguars. Um, this game reminded me more of growing up, our games that we used to play on Thanksgiving <laughs> in my backyard. <laughs> um, you know, like. The Chargers are up 27 to nothing at halftime, or, you know, and they scored three points in the second half. They have the Jaguars have five turnovers, four of them interceptions, and they come back and win. Like I said, this was more Thanksgiving backyard football to me than like an NFL game. I mean, what an ugly game for the Jags. And you win? How, do, how does that happen? Mm, you know, yeah. to me, the, the key to this game was the Jags scoring that seven points right before half. I agree, mm-hmm. Matt. They, you know, and they, then getting the ball, yeah. getting a three and out, yep. coming out at halftime and coming right back down and scoring again. Mm-hmm. Yeah, they, mm-hmm. they were getting their doors beaten off that entire first half, five turnovers. Mm-hmm. But they are only down twenty points. I mean, in, in football, that's nothing. Mm-hmm. Yeah. So you know, I, I think that that was the key to this game was the fact that they were able to get that touchdown right before halftime, get a little confidence, feel mm-hmm. like okay, we're not totally out of this thing. Right. I, I think if Los Angeles keeps them from scoring before halftime, it, this probably is a blowout. The, the momentum yeah. or you yeah. know the confidence going into the locker room is a heck of a lot less than, yeah. than what it was. You know, well, I mean, and maybe Trevor Lawrence being too naive to realize that you don't come back from five <laughs> right. five turnovers yeah. in the first half. Right. Yeah. You yeah. don't you don't do that. Mm-hmm. <laughs> yeah, yeah. You're not supposed to do that. Uh, but no, I, I just think this game. I think I think it really shows this this Jaguars you know team as a as a whole. I mean, they this has been them in a nutshell this entire this entire season. A team that. Fights till the end, not going to give up. And, and it's just a complete turnaround from what we've seen from Jacksonville the last two seasons. I mean, these, these, they've won four games in two years. And, and now they, you know, they've won, you know, 10 games in, in just, you know, one season. But I think that goes back to, you know, Doug Peterson's mentality, his, his kind of never give up, you know, mentality, I think really is on this team or, you know, really shows in this team. And yeah, I think 
it really attests to Trevor Lawrence's just, you know, his ability to keep grinding and keep fighting. I mean, rookie year, you know, second year quarterbacks that, that throw four picks in the first half, I think most of them would have would have shut down and it would have been, you know, a mess or it could have gotten even uglier. But this guy still went out there, knew he knew, you know, you know, told his team, I, I can do this. You know, I, I, we've been in this position before. We, we can overcome this. And, and for the Jacksonville Jaguars to put the trust in him, I mean, the guy threw it almost 50 times, you know, in this in this game to let him to continue to, to, to you know, move the ball with his arm, I think, you know, puts a lot of confidence in Trevor Lawrence, you know, going into a, a critical game next week against, you know, a top opponent in the in the Kansas City Chiefs. Yeah, you're not going to turn the ball over five times no, this week. No, no. It, they're, they're going to have to obviously shore it up. But, uh, you know, yeah, the Jacksonville Jaguars, I mean, as much as Jacksonville played, you know, better in that second half or, you know, never gave up. The char- I don't. I don't. I mean, did they even come out of that the Chargers? Room? I don't know. <laughs> yeah, sure. what what you can say because it's not like in the second half that they turned the ball over a ton. That they you know gave Jacksonville. Mm-hmm. They just yeah, the offense just Quit. didn't do anything. I mean, they, they played yeah. more to lose than they did to win. So yeah, <clears throat> yeah. Coop, did you get a chance to watch much of that game? I mean, did you have something you wanted to throw in there? Yeah, I watched a little bit of it. Um, the big thing for me, though, was like right after the game, they fired their offensive coordinator, Joe Lombardi. So, I mean, if <laughs> you had to blame anyone, then somebody's got to be the scapegoat. <laughs> yeah, probably him. But uh, yeah, Chargers just, at least uh, statistically, they just couldn't get anything on the ground. Mm-hmm. Austin Eckler, 2.7 yards per carry. Even though he did have two touchdowns, it was just atrocious from mm. what I saw on the ground. Yeah. So, the, I mean, that's, that's that could point. be yeah. one. Yeah. No, reason, no, no, no balance on the offense. And yeah. Sometimes that seems to be the teams that do do well or the teams that are balanced that, you know, don't just rely on one particular thing. They're able to do, you know, a couple of different things or rely on, you know, a couple of different options. But, yeah, that's that Chargers running game was non-existent in this one. So, and it wasn't like they were ever playing from behind where they had to just, you know, start yeah, throwing it. Yeah. They, they were in control the whole time and still couldn't get the running game going. So, yeah, yeah definitely some some things they got to work on in the in the off season there. Third game, uh, Bills and the Finns there. I, yeah, I'm still trying to figure out how this game was this close. Right. Um, you know, 34-31 was your final score. Um, the, the Dolphins only had 231 yards of offense, and the and, the and Bills, no Tua. And yeah. no two, uh, and, the, and the Bills rolled up 423. I guess the two picks, I guess, by Josh Allen maybe had something to do with it. But, uh, yeah, the, the Dolphins put up a heck of a fight and even had a chance, you know, there towards the end they were driving, you know, and had a chance maybe to get close enough to get a, uh, you know, a game-tying field goal there at the end and, and, you know, just came up a little bit short. Yeah, yeah. I think I think the difference was the Bills' defense made some key stops, you know, when they when they had to. I mean, because the offense was – I mean, Bills' offense, yeah, it put up points, but it was somewhat gift-wrapping these these points for, for the Dolphins. I mean, uh, you know, uh, Josh Allen throws two picks. He loses a fumble. That fumble's returned for a touchdown. I mean, mm-hmm. single-handedly, you know, keeping the Dolphins, you know, in the – in the mix here, uh, you know, actually, and you know, even though Josh Allen lost that one, he actually fumbled it three times, yeah. uh, you know, and only and lost the one that, you know, contributed to a Miami Dolphins touchdown. But uh, for sure, this is not the way the Bills, you know, who we've talked about as a potential Super Bowl winner, you know, contender, isn't how they want to start off their, their playoff, you know, spot here. But I think, again, it goes back to division opponent. You know each other. You play each other twice a year already. Yeah. You know what to expect. I think those games are always, you know, interesting. Mm. It can go 
it can go any way. And, and, it, and it almost did in this one. You know, the Dolphins defense came up with some big, you know, some big stops of their own and some key turnovers. Just, you know, not enough. I, I think this game is totally different. Tua plays in this game. Yeah, I, I think the Dolphins, you know, come out with a with a win in this yeah. one. You know, though, this might be just what Buffalo needed because you know wake you, you get up. a little adversity, you wake yourself up, right. and you know they they've got a big test ahead of them next week in Cincinnati, who's been playing playing well as late as well. So, mm-hmm. you know, I I think you know they've got to tighten things up a lot coming into next week, but you know they they did enough to get get it done, and that's really all you can ask for when it comes to playoff football. Yeah, yeah. absolutely. Cooper, you got anything on this one? Yeah, uh, what I wrote down, I think the uh, passing game was really, really good for the Bills. Right. Um, both Stephon Diggs and Gabe Davis both had over 100 yards. Mm-hmm. Um, so I feel like, you know, their offense is always clicking in some way, whether it be the ground game or the passing game, mostly the passing game. Mm-hmm. Right. Yeah, but, that, um, that combination of Josh Allen and Diggs, we talk about that on this show all the time. Mm-hmm. I mean, that's it's unstoppable. Dynamic it duo there. I agree. Yeah, yeah absolutely. And I think it, 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 you know, obviously Buffalo they rushed out to a seventeen nothing lead in this in this mm-hmm. game. And and I think for those elite teams, those good teams, you have to keep the foot on the gas pedal. It, it, it's it's tough. You know, you get complacent or you say, up. Oh, you know, we're up seventeen. You know, we can just kind of coast mm-hmm. away. But mm-hmm. those. You, you can't do that. You know, they obviously know against you know a team that they may match up with in the AFC Championship in Kansas City. You get up seventeen is not a safe enough lead against the Kansas yeah. City Chiefs because mm-hmm. they can score in one play, you know, thirty seconds, whatever. So you got to keep your, you know, foot on the gas pedal. Maybe the Bills playing down to their competition a little bit. Hopefully, like Matt said, they got a big matchup with Cincinnati. I don't think that they can allow that to allow that to happen, or they could be could be going home early, you know, and 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 miss again, fall short of of what they you know came into the to, to the season expecting to you know be playing for a Super Bowl. <clears throat> right, right. All right, uh, next game, the Giants pulled out a win over the Vikings. Colton, you're the only one that picked this. Uh, Matt and I both went with the Vikings. Giants come with a 31-24 lead. Coop, give us, why don't you get us started on this one? Uh, tell us what you think about this game. So for the Vikings, um, they were the only team in the NFL in NFL history, I believe, that was eleven and zero in one score games mm-hmm. until this past weekend. Yeah. So a lot of close. That's Colton made mention of that. Yeah. Last week. Yeah. So I mean, you know, record wise, they look great, but just when you throw that stat out, it's just it's it's crazy. Yeah. And That's a good point. Their defense is just I I feel like. You know, offense was clicking. Like, Cousins is not the problem. There is no problem with Kirk Cousins. I don't even think there's any problems with the receiving core. I think it, it's literally just the defense mm-hmm. and mm-hmm. their lack of ability to, you know, stop key third downs mm-hmm. and big-time plays and all that kind of stuff. Yeah, so, yeah, yeah. They I, didn't get much of a ground game to stab. Dalvin Cook didn't have a very good game on the ground. Right. Um, mm-hmm. I thought, uh, you know, I thought Daniel Jones had a good day, you know, 24 or 35, plus he got 78 rush yards. You yeah. Know, he was, he was their leading rusher, but yeah, I agree. It was it was the defense for the Vikings that that didn't play great, right? And it, and it's been suspect all all season. That's been their you know heartache or you know has been a a, a weak point for heel. for mm-hmm. them. You know yeah. they've just somewhat been able to mask it up with with some you know good out you know offensive performances with you know the weapons that they have on that offensive side of the ball. I mean they got you know a, a, a tight you know one of the best tight ends in TJ Hawkinson. They got Justin Jefferson, probably one of the best receivers. Mm-hmm. Dalvin Cook, you know, one of the best running backs out there. I mean they got, you know, some dynamic playmakers on that offensive side of the ball, but in this one the Giants defense, you know, did a great job mm-hmm. of of limiting, you know, even though Jefferson had seven catches, he had less than 50 yards yeah. of, of, of uh, you know, receiving yards. 
in the, you know, th- these two teams matched up, I don't know, week 16 or, you know, something in the, in the season. And in that game, uh, Justin Jefferson had 12 catches for 133 yards and, and one touchdown. So they did a really nice job, you know, at, at limiting his opportunities, you know, the big plays for, for Justin Jefferson. But Daniel Jones played his best game probably as a professional, and, and it was his first playoff, you know, game ever in his career. Mm-hmm. And he showed up in, in, in his first game. And, and, and again, I thought because the Vikings had been somewhat playing with house money when those one-score games, like I said, this team could – we could be talking about them being, you know, top top ten pick or top five pick if they, you know, some of those games go the other way. They they found a way to always come out on on top. But this one, it caught up caught up to them. They just, you know, weren't able to to get enough stops on defense to to limit that Giants offense. Yeah, you know, the, the Giants they they played their game. They were balanced. They were you know running and passing. They did a little bit of everything. And so I mean, Saquon Barkley he went for fifty three yards rushing, two touchdowns, and fifty six yards receiving. Mm-hmm. So you know. It, it, it helps when you have a, a running back that can take some spread of the load field on out. Yeah, 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 you yeah. Can, you pass it to him. You can run with him. Mm-hmm. So, but they're going to have to be a lot better if, if they mm-hmm. want to advance further on this right. playoff. Right. You know, they 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 played well enough to beat Minnesota, but right. Minnesota won eleven one, one score, score games. Yeah. So right. They could have very easily been the worst team in the NFL. Right? Yeah, exactly. I mean, that's, that's how close this thing was to right. switch right. It the other way. So, mm-hmm. you know, kudos to the Giants for for getting it done and winning here, but. They're going to have to play even better if they they want to keep this thing going. Mm-hmm. Yeah, absolutely. And All right, I, mo- moving on. Oh, got one more. Oh, go ahead. You're good. You're good. Uh, I think uh, that Week 16 game that they played mm-hmm. against the uh, Vikings as well, that was the only game Jan- Daniel Jones in the regular season went over 300 yards. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Wow. So, so he, he's it was got, kind of he a little, likes, you know, yeah. little lead up. Right. But, he, likes, yeah. he likes playing the Vikings. Right. Yeah. Yeah. That's yeah. good. Well, I think another team that, that did win, but I think it's going to have to play better, uh, this weekend, and that's the Bengals. Um, I, I I don't think they really played all that great, uh, you know, against the Ravens, who we who we thought they would beat. You know, there was some question as to whether Huntley was even going to play. Um, he did. And he played well. Uh, he he looked good. Um, you know, the Bengals only had 234 yards of offense. I, their receivers dropped some easy balls. I thought. Mm-hmm. Um, you know, but they you know they got that big 98. Yard uh, fumble, fumble recovery. recovery. Yep. Um, you know the Ravens did have two turnovers, and that one was a costly one. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Um, you know to get it to get a seven point win, but uh, the Bengals are going to have to play better than what mm-hmm. they did. What they did this weekend against the Bills, even though the Bills, I don't, I don't think played their best game. I think, I think the Bengals are going to have to play better this weekend. Yeah. yeah. To mm-hmm. me, this game came down to coaching. Uh, Harbaugh number two, the one I don't mind talking <laughs> about. <laughs> you know he. He made some questionable decisions here, especially there in the fourth quarter. You're what was it, second and goal, third and goal. They they yeah. at the one yard line, and they they try a quarterback sneak instead. Of just giving the ball to J.K. Dobbins, mm-hmm. who's going to play. He he he's got that will. He'll get in from one yard out. Mm-hmm. I had no mm-hmm. doubt in my mind if they gave him the ball, he would have gotten the end zone. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Instead, they end up with a fumble that goes 98 yards, the longest return in playoff history mm-hmm. by by another Ohio State great, mm-hmm. Sam Hubbard, right. returning that ball down the yeah, field. Yeah, it sounds and, like and, things got a little ugly in that Baltimore locker room. Uh, it, well, yeah, J.K. Dobbins, it. you know, he did stress his displeasure after the game. Yeah, that, yeah. They didn't threw give his him coach a and his teammates yeah. under the bus, yeah. it sounds like. Yeah, absolutely. Yeah. I, I just think 
this team, obviously, yeah, all over the place. I think, uh, you know, obviously the, the big storyline coming into it was, you know, was Lamar Jackson going to play? Obviously chose to, to sit out, you know, and I don't think by his own choosing, I don't think the guy legitimately is, is healthy or ready. He said to, he's still living. Right, still so, ready to go. Mm-hmm. And, and you know what he has to do with his legs. That's that's a big part of his game. You know, if he's not, you know, 100% or, you know, as close to 100% as he can be, this this Ravens offense is not the same without him him yeah, on the field. Mm-hmm. Though uh, it, it was odd he didn't even choose to travel. With the right. Team. Yeah. yeah. That feels I, a little. It does feel sketchy. spec. You know, yeah. it is sketchy because again, that's another big storyline that was coming into the season that may or may not have been a distraction. He will be a free agent this mm-hmm. year. You know, people are making you know rumors. He's not coming. He didn't come travel with the team because the handwriting's on the wall. He yeah. maybe may not be coming back to Baltimore, but. That's obviously hearsay. We don't, we have no idea at this point, but you know, it, yeah, it doesn't make for, you know, a great, you know, eye catcher, you know, from an eye test, you know, why couldn't he have, you know, been there? You know, what, what was the, mm-hmm. the reasoning behind that? Um, but yeah, this team is just from an offensive standpoint, it's just totally different when he's, he's not out there, uh, you know, out there on the field. I thought the Ravens defense played, played really well, did enough to try to keep him in this game, but mm-hmm. you know, ultimately just not enough offense, not, you know, not enough dynamic, you know, they, they, they are a, a huge rushing team or a heavy run run team, uh, you know, not a whole lot in the passing game. I think that's something they're going to have to address, you know, in the in the offseason to, to really be, you know, kind of an elite team. You, you got to you can't be one dimensional, um, yeah. you know, and, and I think that's one of the Achilles heels for for the Ravens. They got to they got to get some better receivers that they can throw to. Yeah. 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 Any, we got anything else on that game? I I don't think so, but yeah, I think you know that that Bengals obviously again gonna have to play better because now they're going on the road, you know, to, right. to Buffalo. Mm-hmm. So it's it's gonna be gonna be interesting. Their their offense did not impress me as much as what you know I was expecting them. But again, they, that they Ravens got to Burrow, I think they, they got sacked what four times. Yeah, think, yeah, four or five. Game, yeah, yeah, they got the Burrow, so they're gonna have to do a better job of protecting him. So. Mm-hmm. We'll, we'll talk about that matchup more in our next segment, right? Yeah, Absolutely. Yeah. Okay, so. Um, so the last game, you know, we talked about this. Of these two teams, which team was going to show, show up? up. Yep. Uh, Tampa Bay didn't show up. Nope. Um, you know, and Dallas, you know, Dak threw four touchdowns. But really, I, I, it was, I think it was that Tampa Bay played that bad. Yeah, I they kind of just gave up. Dallas looked good, but here, here was my question: Where was Fournette? Yeah. I mean, he's back. They made a big deal out of it. They're gonna, you know, and. He he was he ghosted. I mean, they they didn't even work him into the offense. I mean, even early before they were down, you know, obviously once you get down, you, you know, three start, touchdowns, yeah. you got to start slinging it. Mm-hmm. Um, but even early on, they 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 never they never used him in the offense. Um, you know, even early on, and and I don't know. This was just I don't know what what was going on. Who who laid out that offensive game plan for Tampa Bay? But. Uh, I'm firing my offensive coordinator. I guess if I own the Tampa <laughs> yeah. Bay Buccaneers, that, that's old Byron Leftwich, which is yeah, yeah looking looking yeah. for a job. So yeah, I mean, uh, Dak looked good. You know, he threw four touchdowns. Um, you know, they scored four, 31 points, but yeah, um, it was a, a just a poor effort. Yeah, Tampa Bay. yeah, it is. Yeah, I, I mean, we we talked about it. It was going to be yeah, which team are we going to see? And, and and throughout the season, we've seen this Tampa Bay team. You know it's been hot and cold like this all, all season where Dallas has been, you know, more consistent. Yeah. They've had a few, you know, bumps along the road, but overall they've been the more consistent team. They've, they've showed that they are, you know, a playoff contender. 
it showed up in this game. Dak had a really great, you know, great game. He played really well from the jump. Um, you know, you, you can't expect Brady to go out there and throw it 66 times. He can't crazy. carry a team anymore. Right. I mean, you know, eight years ago, even five years ago, right. two years ago, he could carry a team. He it anymore mm-hmm. it, you it's it, you yeah. gotta have again that still balance a good quarterback but he can't he can't carry his team. yeah the balance you gotta have and then there's no balance in, in right. tampa bay mm-hmm. especially when this game when they got down so much right. i mean it, it it's it, it's not a recipe receivers back their timing was off you know obviously yeah. they haven't Couldn't had separation right yeah, right they, 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 you know the timing was off with his receivers there was frustration there so mm-hmm. yeah they, they just they had no chance mm-hmm. yeah no, I, I don't know I, I think it's time for for touchdown Tom to, to hang it up. I that I, he didn't play bad. Don't get me wrong, he had what over 300 yards passing right. and a couple of touchdowns. Yeah. But there were some throws that, you know, he had time to throw and they dropped 4 yards in front of his receiver, mm-hmm. not even yeah. getting where he needs to yeah. be. He's he's not he was a shell of himself that game. Right. Because mm-hmm. I mean, they're like I said there were times where he he had he had pocket, he had mm-hmm. time mm-hmm. and he yeah. just made bad throws. Right. I don't I, I don't know if the the pressure and knowing that they're they're coming after him. Right, got right. To him, yeah. or, and I think he, he definitely I, wasn't himself. I think it was that, and I, the timing was just yeah. not there. Right, right? Was, with his receiver, mm, yeah. it absolutely. was just not there. Yeah. Then, what, what do you what do you do think? The, do the Cowboys cut their kicker? Is the next question? <laughs> oh my god. Yeah. If there's or any if there's points. any blemish on the Cowboys, you know, game that they played, it's yeah, their kicker missed four extra points. I mean, at one point did redeem himself. He made the fifth one. <laughs> right. So yeah. you know, if they're one out of <laughs> one out of five, I guess ain't bad or you know whatever. But yeah, that's. That's that is something that you know has plagued the Cowboys. You know, just crazy things yeah. like that have it didn't come back to haunt them in this one, right. thank goodness. But it's been that you know Cowboys magic that it's like, man, what if that really would have come back to yeah. bite them? Yeah, you know, right. again, well, another, especially when Tom Brady's on the other side, you're just thinking that it's going to oh, bite you. you it's going to come down to a one point game, right? Yeah, yeah. yeah. exactly. But yeah. To, to be fair, the Cowboys did say they're not cutting him. Right. He's still on the roster for next week, but they he did, did sign, sign a kicker. kicker to the practice squad. Right, so, yeah. a, a bad week of practice and a great week for the practice <laughs> squad. Maybe he is gone. He's kicking know. the game of his life. So yeah, yeah. yeah. <laughs> All right. Well, well, let's uh, okay. Let's get into this weekend's games. I got my first one on my list. Uh, the first game on Saturday at four thirty. The fourteen and three Chiefs. Uh, take, you know, the Jags get a, a big test this weekend, nine and eight Jags going, you know, going into, uh, Kansas city, you know, Arrowhead stadium, a uh, cold rainy day. I think that's maybe the only thing that that's going to give these Jags a chance, you know, maybe Travis ETN gets, you know, can, they can kind of balance this attack out. Maybe the chiefs drop a couple balls or maybe we get a, a tip ball and an interception or, you know, something I, you know, there's gotta be something that turns us, that turns us to the Jags to give them a chance. The chiefs were favored by eight and a half. Uh, Coop, tell me what you think about this, this matchup this weekend. So considering that it's rainy and wet uh, for the chiefs, I know their lead back right now is Isaiah Pacheco. He's not doing too bad, but um, if I remember correctly, up until week 14 of this year, it had been like two some seasons where the Chiefs didn't have a running back that went over like a hundred some yards mm-hmm. in a game. Mm-hmm. So their their running attack has not been, you know, their their strong mm-hmm. suite. Mm-hmm. So I mean, it I don't I don't think they'll struggle, mm-hmm. you know, regardless. But um, 
I do have them beating the Jags this week. So. Yeah, yeah, absolutely. Uh, Kansas City is coming into this. They're favored by eight and a half points in, in this game. Uh, these two teams actually faced each other back in week 10. Chiefs won uh, 27 to 17 in that game. Probably closer than what you what you expect. Again, this Jacksonville team is is not, you know, what we're used to seeing. This, this is a team that's gonna gonna fight and, and, and try to stay stay in the game. But uh, you know, for me it's it's gonna be can the Chiefs get get pressure on on Trevor Lawrence? If you if you look at the stats, uh, you know when when Lawrence is under pressure, he's a night and day you know different quarterback. Uh, look at the stats: fifty five point two QB rating when he's under pressure, forty nine point seven percent completion rate when he's got a clean pocket, perfectly fine, one hundred five almost one hundred six QB rating completes it almost 72% of the time. So, you know, 30 points better, you know, 20 to 30 points better, you know, on the completion. I mean, that's, that's the difference of keeping a drive alive and keeping, (laughs) you know, keeping things going and putting some points on the board. Mm -hmm. I think if the the Chiefs want to have a, have a, you know, want to, want to win a blowout or, you know, somewhat put the Jags away early, get some pressure on, on Trevor Lawrence uh, and, and figure that, figure that game out for the Jaguars on defense. I mean, Obviously, we they know what they're getting in Patrick Mahomes. I mean, the guy's a magician back there when it comes to you know quarterback play. I don't know what I don't know what to tell you what mm-hmm. to do because you send extra blitzers, you're 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 done for. Yeah, their their mm-hmm. receivers are going to beat you one on one. They got the big man in Travis Kelsey. He, he, Mahomes can escape out of the pocket. I mean, I don't know. Keeps plays alive with his feet. Yeah. You got to some. Can, you, and if you run, don't send extra, then he's got all then, day. Yeah, to he's got all day apart. to you know pick you apart. So yeah. it's it's one of those things that. You do have to send, you know, maybe one extra guy, or, or, or you know, have four down linemen. But you have to get pressure with that that four them four down yeah, linemen. You, got, you, you cannot get pressure rushing four, right? Because yeah. if not, yeah, it, it's it's going to be you'll be fighting your life back there, you know, to try to stop, you know, stop those drives just because you know they have too many weapons. Like I, mean, I said, they're going to have to get some help from the weather, and mm-hmm. yeah, I think that you know, and some drives, maybe a tip ball and some drop balls. And, and typically, the games where the Chiefs struggle is when the Chiefs beat themselves, where they you know turn the ball over, they yeah. make uh-huh. you know stupid mental mistakes. You know, it doesn't happen very often, but for Jacksonville to have a chance, they they somewhat have to rely, you know, not not only the the weather, but the Chiefs somewhat making some of those mental mistakes that, you know, do happen at, at, at times and, and somewhat, you know, beat themselves for Jacksonville to stay stay in this game. But ultimately, I, I like the Chiefs to, you know, continue their, their you know, hunt there in the, and, and move on to the AFC Championship. Yeah, you know, this mm-hmm. season really to me has been Mahomes' best season yet. Mm-hmm. You know, he, he lost his number one wide receiver and he's, he's doing everything he's done every year. Mm-hmm. He, just, he keeps on making it happen. It doesn't matter who's around him. Right. Yep. He solidified himself as one of the greats of all time. And, mm-hmm. yeah. you know, just think he, he won a Super Bowl what was it two three years ago mm-hmm. and he's just getting better mm-hmm. so yeah. I, I i think this team they scored 29 points per game good for best in the league this year i don't think jacksonville is going to be able to slow him down yeah, mm-hmm. yeah. yeah I, four for four on yeah. this one i don't i don't you know it's going to take a miracle yeah yeah <laughs> so i like the chiefs as well all right second game on saturday um eagles again another 14 and three team uh the giants i think you know this is another one the spread Vegas has got this at seven and a half. Um, you know, and that giant secondary still banged up. They got two safeties and two cornerbacks that are still listed as questionable, mm-hmm. you know, even, you know, this late into the week. So, you know, this is going to be an uphill battle for the Giants. Um, I think, you know, maybe, you know, Jones has another good week, but, I, you know, the, the Eagles are, are playing really good ball right now. I've been, I've been high on Jalen Hurts all year. 
Um, I'll go. I'll start it off. I think the Eagles get it done again this week. Yeah, I agree. Yeah, I think Philadelphia's defense, regardless of how good the Giants play, I think their defense is just it's it's so good. You look at like their safeties and their pass rush, and there's there's just no holes, mm -hmm. and their coaching is competent enough. I feel like the Eagles are going to beat the Giants. All right. Yeah, I, I'd make it three for three so far. I think the Eagles get it get a win here. I just think. You know, Daniel Jones played great, you know, last week. I, I just don't know that he can follow it up again on the, you know, on the road against, a, you know, a, a tough crowd in, in Philadelphia. Uh, th this guy doesn't really throw it down the field a lot. I mean, his, his you know, percentage of balls down, you know, downfield 20 plus yards, lowest, you know, second lowest in the, in the league. Uh, this guy is more kind of a dink and dime and, and you know, hit you with those kind of zero to nine yard, you know, routes mm -hmm. or whatever and, and keep things alive. But, this Eagles defense is is a heck of a lot better than what we saw out of out of Minnesota, especially in the passing game. Yeah, I just don't think there's going to be a lot of opportunities for 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 Daniel Jones in the passing game to really get going, you know, causing them to have to rely on that run game. And again, when you become one dimensional, it, it becomes tough to, to to win a game in the NFL. I like I like the Eagles to win this one. Well, I'll make it four four. I like the Eagles as well, but I do think this game is going to be closer than what I think a lot of people think. Mm -hmm. The Eagles score twenty eight a game to the Giants scoring twenty one. Mm -hmm. But they both give up roughly 20 to 21 points a game. So both these defenses are really good. Mm -hmm. And they've played each other twice already this right. year. They're yeah. rivals. They know each other well. Right. I think I think that just speaks for something that's going to be a close game. It's going to be a battle to the end. Mm -hmm. Like that seven point spread's probably about right. It's probably mm -hmm. a touchdown game, mm -hmm. but I think it'll be an exciting one to watch. Well, and the yeah. old saying is, I mean, the Eagles beat beat the Giants both times in the yeah. regular season. You hard know. to beat a team three times. Hard to beat a team three times. <laughs> but I so. think it happens. But I, I think it you <laughs> yeah. know, get, gets done this week. Yeah. All right. Well, then we flip to Sunday, uh, a 3 o'clock game on Sunday. Uh, two teams that only got to play 16 games this year, uh, the Bengals and the Bills. 12-4 um, and four Bengals, 13-3 and three Bills. Um you know, we talked about right. You know, I I like Josh Allen's ability to keep you know plays alive with his legs, or you know pick up a crucial first down, being able to scramble. But you know, their defense has only given up 42 yards rushing this year, which is pretty incredible in the NFL. Um, I think uh, on the flip side, I think for the Bengals, they're they're gonna have to get the ball down the field a little bit more. Mm -hmm. I think this weekend, um, you know, Joe Cool's gonna have to open that passing game up a little bit more. And I think, like I said, when we talked about the Bengals last week, he had, he had some uh, drop balls uh, this week um, or this last week. And I think they're going to have to be a little more sure handed this weekend. What, Colton, do you have written down, what does Vegas have the spread? I, I uh, it's five and a half bill. Right now. Yeah, that's what I thought. So, you know, it's going to be, I, I think I, I'm surprised at that spread really. Um, I think this is going to be a close game. And I think, I, I kind of like the Bengals to get this done. I know, um, oh. you know, I think I know they're going to Buffalo, but um, I, I like the Bengals to get this done. I feel like the Bengals are going to bounce back and, you know, pick up where they, you know, what the game that they had started when, you know, we had the unfortunate injury, um, you know, he looked really good that game. And I, I'm, I'm going with, the, I'm going with the, uh, I'm going with the kitty cats. You know, the one thing I don't understand about this game is why is it in Buffalo? You know, they, they made they made a, a, 
a requirement for all these other teams. You know, the division championship was going to be played on a neutral site if it came down to Kansas mm-hmm. City and Buffalo. Mm-hmm. Uh, Cincinnati and Baltimore were going to have a coin flip had Baltimore beat Cincinnati. Mm-hmm. But yeah. there, there's no, there's nothing here. Mm-hmm. Why, why is there not a coin flip or a neutral site for this game? Because mm-hmm. Cincinnati was leading mm-hmm. when that yeah. injury happened. So had Cincinnati won that game, they're the two seed. Mm-hmm. Right. So why is this game in Buffalo? Right. I, and I, I think that's going to play the difference. I, I yeah. like Buffalo in a close game, but I think that home field advantage, that extra motivation from Hamlin, mm-hmm. it's going to be enough to get them over the edge. I just I don't understand why the league didn't put something in place for this game yep. when it came up. Yeah, absolutely. Yeah. I don't disagree with that, Matt. Yeah, yeah, it's uh, it's interesting. That's to you know to say the least. But you know, for me, it's it's you know I go back to the whole one dimensional thing, and and obviously we know the pass attack for the Bengals is you know best you know one of the best in the in the league. They got so many wide receivers that Joe Cool can get the ball to there, but they have no running game. I mean, they they rank towards the bottom almost dead last in, in rushing yards per game. So I think if Buffalo can key in on that, and not only, fellas, Cincinnati's down three starting offensive linemen in this game. They lost you know, yeah. lost another one in in you know the game against uh you know Baltimore more than likely is not going to be able to play in this one. We're already down two, you know, before that game. I, I, we know the history of when Joe, you know, Joe Burrow gets sacked and you know what happened when that, you know, when when he was under pressure and, and all that stuff. I think the difference in this one, yeah, Buffalo gets some pressure, you know, takes advantage of that, you know, that weaker offensive line for for Cincinnati playing at home. I think they have that home crowd behind them. They, they get the win here, but I think it's a lot closer than what I think. I think it's a late, a, still a late field goal that the Bills come out, come out with a win and and, and move on to the AFC Championship. Yeah. All right, mm-hmm. Coop, what do you think? Yeah, I would have to agree. I think I'm going to go for four for four here for the Bills. No, I, I went with the Bengals. You went oh, Bengals sorry, yeah, I went sorry. Bengals. Three for four. Um, I'm the lone wolf here. <laughs> but no, I do. I do think the Bills get it done at home. Um, I do think with all the Demar Hamlin and all of that sprung into you know the uh, front eye of the media, I do think that will be a big key motivation tab for them, um, especially with the Bills being you know a big power on offense same with the Bengals. i could see this being a high score game um but i do think it will come down to a field goal or you know one score game at the end awesome all right very good and then the last game which i'm glad to see starting earlier 6 30 on a sunday night Mm -hmm. (laughs) this late games on sunday night have been killing me um but you got uh, this is the game really that that i'm most looking forward to and i think this is going to be a great matchup Mm -hmm. uh 12 and 5 dallas going to 13 and 4 um, san francisco um, you know, Dallas's defense, you know, Matt talked about it. They give up a lot of yards on defense to, you know, a lot of passing yards. Um, they're, they're great against the run. So this is going to put the pressure on Brock Purdy, you know, where mm-hmm. they, they kind of relied on you know, Christian McCaffrey to get it done on the ground. I, I think this is going to be, this is going to be, you know, this is going to be a test for Purdy, I think, going forward in this mm-hmm. game. Yeah. Uh, Matt, you want to start us out here? You know, I actually think Dallas's defense plays into San Francisco's hand, though, because mm-hmm. Dallas's defense is a they, they got to catch you long enough that their defensive line gets to you to get the sack. <laughs> but San Francisco's that two step drop, throw it to your receiver and let him go. Let him do his thing. Yeah. You know, the Cowboys actually struggle with that a little bit. Their mm-hmm. corners aren't great playing in that short distance. Kind of their linebackers are yeah. slower for linebackers, right. so they struggle there a little bit. <laughs> right. I think this actually plays into San Francisco's hand. I think a lot of what happened last year to the Cowboys in this very same game, mm-hmm. it's going to happen again. Right. And I, unfortunately, me being a Cowboys fan, I don't like to say that, but 
think San Francisco gets the win. Yeah, I, I like it. You know, again, I, we, we talked about it, you know, last week in San Francisco's game. I think, yeah, they just got too many weapons that they, they get the ball out early, get the ball out quick, let them do what they can do with that ball. They can beat you with the run. They can beat you with the pass. There are just too many, too many ways that they can they can beat you. And their defense is is the best, you know, in the NFL. They give up the fewest amount of points. They're the best against the rushing, you know, the rushing attack. And I think that's a big key of of Dallas's offense is mm-hmm. is getting that run game going, kind of letting the game come to Dak mm-hmm. a little bit by relying on you know those two backs that they have, Ezekiel Elliott and Tony Pollard. But you know, a stat that sticks out to me, obviously. San Francisco's given up less than 80 yards rushing per game. They're 12 and one this year when they give up less than 100 rushing yards. Wow. Dallas on the on the flip side, when when they go north of 100 yards, they're 11 and three. So that to me is the key. Can can Dallas get a push? Can they really get that run game kind of established? Mm-hmm. Kind of kind of grit their teeth and kind of hold on to the ball a little more. Not let San Francisco get out there. But ultimately, San Francisco at home. I, I, I like you know. Purdy and the guys to keep you know keep things going. I like the 49ers to get a win here. All right. All right. Well, I'm, I'm, we'll make it. We'll make it. Uh, I'm going for the 49ers. Too. I think I think they got enough weapons to get this done. I don't know. Um, I don't know. You know, if if Dallas showed me enough last weekend, you know, against a, a just a poor showing by the Buccaneers, and you know, we talked about how Dallas has not played well on the road this year either. So I think. Going going into San Francisco, I like I like San Francisco to get it done. What is the spread on this game? Uh, San Francisco by four currently. Four. That's what I thought. Yeah. All right. Well, I you know that's all we got for tonight, Colton. Uh, you know we want to thank Cooper for uh, coming in and sitting in with us. And man, you're you're welcome to come back anytime. Appreciate yeah. it. Thank you guys for having yeah. me. Yeah, yeah. Awesome. No no awesome problem having you here. Yeah, we lo- we love it. Um, so we uh, thanks for listening to Fired Up with your hosts, Colton Cal, Chief Rob Cal, <clears throat> Matt Cordes. We uh, Hope you enjoyed our episode this week and want to hear other topics for future episodes or, you know, you just got a burning sports question you want to hear us talk about on the show. Feel free to reach out to us on our different social media platforms. We have uh, an Instagram. Our uh, handle is fired up underscore podcast, or you can find us over on Facebook at uh, fired up comma sports podcast. And as always, you can head over to our website um, at www.fire1.podbean.com. Where you can find all of our past episodes, and even this this episode will be posted on there as well. Um, and then also got a little bit of information about the show on our website. But um, you know, you can listen to our show pretty much any podcast platform you can think of. We're on Apple, Google, Spotify, Pandora. So anywhere you can think of, you know, to find a podcast, you can find our show. So appreciate you all listening, and as always, stay, stay fired, fired up. up.